You're listening to Distilling Theology. I'm Blake. And I'm Justin. And this is a podcast pairing discussions of theology and distilled spirits. And dad jokes. Amen. What's wrong with you people? You're not David. I don't know why you're clapping. I'm talking about you. Fatality. You know, starting a podcast about theology and distilled spirits is whiskey business. (laughs) I said that with a straight face. This is Distilling Theology. Welcome to episode 57 of Distilling Theology. I'm your host, Blake Courtright, joined by my co-host, Justin Van Riper. And tonight we're going to be in part three of our series on the topic of pneumatology, that is the systematic theology header for the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Justin, what's going on, buddy? How you doing? You know, it's been a, it's been a week. Mm. <laughs> it's just been one of those weeks where uh, I have needed uh, the word and the grace of God more than other weeks, but um, by his grace, we're still here. Mm. I'm happy to be here. Happy to be talking about these beautiful doctrines and sipping on some delicious spirits well, to the glory of God. How about hey, you? How, how have you been? Good, man. It's been a it's been a wild week in a lot of ways. Very good. Uh, my voice is a little bit on the cusp, so hopefully I don't lose it uh, in this episode. But if I do, it'll be totally worth it. That's that's what we do, folks. Uh, here at Distilling Theology, we uh, put our voice on the line for your voice and uh, our voice as a uh, anonymous we. I have no idea what I'm saying. I've been listening to <laughs> Just see how long I can run with that. Anyways, uh, Justin, what are we sipping tonight? Yeah, I'm excited. This uh, smells good. We haven't had a, a solid, delicious rye in a while, so we're hopping back in with Whistlepig 10-year barrel hopping proof. like some, uh, some ah. IPAs. Hey, <laughs> don't go awry. <laughs> no, I haven't had a good IPA in a while either. Mm. Um, yeah, Whistlepig 10-year barrel proof rye. Um, it is bottled at 57.3% ABV or 114.6 proof. So it's going to be a spicy boy. I'm excited. Mm. Um, it's a total wine barrel pick. Um, uh, you may know more about that than I do. Oh, I um, do. Yeah. So you can tell us about that. The mash bill is 100% rye, which is exciting. And it's a 10-year aged uh, spirit. So I'm excited. Tell us more. Tell us more. Well, a couple episodes ago, I believe it was episode 17 with my brother uh, when we were talking about coronavirus. We tasted <laughs> a Whistle couple Pig episodes ago. You know, uh, 40. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hey, look, man, 40 <laughs> years, 40 days, 40 uh, hours, 40 episodes. It's, you know, it's all the it same. Depends. Yeah, you know, it, it's uh, already and not yet. Are you sure about that? So, yeah, Whistlepig is a uh, whiskey producer, distributor out of Vermont. But mm-hmm. when they were starting off, they picked up barrels from MGP Rye in Alberta that had been aged 10 years. And those barrels were usually pulled um, cut with other things and put into blends to be used for mixers, et cetera, et cetera. But Whistlepig bought the barrels, bottled them at a hundred proof or 50% alcohol by volume. And normally when you have a mash bill, that's hundred percent rye, it's super harsh and spicy and, and aggressive, particularly at a hundred proof 50%. But if you let it age for 10 years, it mellows out in this really nice rounded way that we talked about all those, all those months ago. Um, now this one, 
was a barrel pick from a total wine that I found, uh, when I was traveling. <clears throat> and, uh, so it is obviously bottled at a higher ABV. They picked a single barrel, uh, and then a bunch of bottles were pulled from that barrel exclusively for that total wine. So, uh, if someone else has a barrel pick from a different liquor store, there's a very good possibility that they will have a very different experience than what we're having because it's a different barrel, different wood, different part of the warehouse, et cetera, et cetera. Now I should note that whistle pig over the last couple of years has been doing a program called farm stock where yeah. they've been slowly integrating their own whiskey that, or their own rye that they have grown uh, on their farm in Vermont and aged in their own barrels. So that's been very, very cool. They've also done a lot of experimental barrel finishes and, and things that you typically find in scotch whiskey. Now, all that said, uh, doesn't mean a thing if it doesn't smell or taste good. So what do you smell on the nose, sir? Let's take a sniff. Mm-hmm. Or a whiff. So there's definitely honey, apples, maybe pear. Yeah. But you're almost, I almost get like a, like a weedy bread. Okay. I can see but that. Fresh, freshly baked, of course. Oh yeah, freshly, <laughs> freshly baked bread with honey and a little bit of, little bit of butter. Uh, getting all the senses with some fresh, um, crisp apples. Oh yeah. On an autumn day with the windows open. Maybe some, maybe some tobacco. Oh yeah, I could see that. Very some sweet spice. Yeah. It smells very sweet though. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you definitely get those baking spices that are typical of rye. Obviously, you have the rye notes in there as well, like rye bread. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah, it's a very rich smell. In many ways, it's an escalation, which makes sense. It's an escalation of the regular uh, tenure, which is quite good on its own. That was the the first rye whiskey that I ever tried that I really loved. So um, I'm excited to taste this with you. This will be fun. I made some old fashions with this and like... Oh, I bet it was good. Oh, I might actually do that tonight uh, after we. <laughs> oh, I wish wrap I had up. more. <laughs> uh, indeed, we'll have to find some someday. But on that note, let's taste this so we can uh, jump into the episode. Cheers. Hmm. That is thick, thicker than I expected. Hmm. Very rich. It, a lot of riser are more uh, runny. That's that's really. Uh, hefty. Ooh. Yeah. There's like um, caramel, clove, toffee. I, I do get that tobacco vanilla. note on this as well. Yeah, tobacco. Almost, there's, almost, there's almost like a copper. Okay. Yeah. Like from a penny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you lick a lot of pennies, Justin? I, I'm known for it, actually. <laughs> You're known for it. That, that makes a lot of sense, a lot of things. Um, the... <laughs> The oakiness is very strong in the back and it's very drying. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, which makes sense at this proof. It's not the highest proof thing we've sipped, but it's higher than things we sipped um, recently. So it's a very, it's very viscous. Oh yeah. When it hits the, when it hits the, the tongue, it goes from like a real cool to a really warm, really fast. Mm-hmm. It's like somebody's cranking up the heat. So it goes up to like a really nice, warm, thick, delicious, bright, exciting, but it, it's kind of long, you know, and you get along the sides, I'm getting a lot more of the orange peel mm-hmm. and um, 
in the baked sort of spice. Yeah. And then down the middle, I'm getting like the caramel, mm-hmm. the vanilla, the oak tannins. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's mouthwatering too. That's what's weird. It's very dry on the finish. It's long, right, it's but, dry, uh, it's but, spicy, <laughs> yeah. but it's super mouthwatering. This is amazing. I'm going to nurse this uh, oh, yeah. throughout the rest of the episode. But before we jump into mm-hmm. our wonderful, exciting topic tonight, uh, let's open up in prayer. Uh, obviously, as always, we're in the Valley of Vision published by Banner of Truth. And this prayer comes from page 52. God, the Spirit. O Lord God, I pray not so much for graces as for the Spirit himself, because mm. I feel his absence, and act by my own Spirit in everything. Give me not weak desires, but the power of his presence. For this is the surest way to have all his graces. And when I have the seal, I have the impression also. He can heal, help, quicken, humble, suddenly and easily. Can work grace and life effectually. And be eternal, he can give grace eternally. Save me from great hindrances, from being content with a little measure of the Spirit. From thinking thou wilt not give me more. When I feel my lack of him, light up life and faith. For when I lose thee, I am either in the dark and cannot see, or Satan and my natural abilities content me with a little light, so that I seek no further for the spirit of life. Teach me then what to do. Should I merely humble myself and not stir up my heart? Should I meditate and use all means to bring him near, not being contented by one means, but trust him to give me a blessing by the use of all, depending only upon and waiting always for thy light by use of means? Is it a duty or an error to pray and look for the fullness of the Spirit in me? Am I mistaken in feeling I am empty of the Spirit because I do not sense His presence within when all the time I am most empty and could be more full by the faith in Christ? Was the fullness of the Spirit in the apostles chiefly a power, giving the substance outside themselves in Christ, in whom was their life and joy? Teach me to find Jesus, or to find and know the fullness of the Spirit only in Jesus. Mm. Amen? Man. That, what a perspective that gives, right? This perspective of um, not being satisfied with a little, mm. <laughs> but desiring continual growth and yeah. fulfillment from the Spirit that can only be found in Christ. When you find that in the Psalms, right? Throughout the mm-hmm. whole Psalter, David and the other um, psalmists are constantly asking God for more of his presence, more of mm-hmm. his blessing, more of his countenance upon them. They're not so much asking for temporal blessing, though there's certainly some of that, but most of their uh, petitions to the Lord, if you like, are driven by this desire for God himself. Mm-hmm as the all-satisfying reality. You know, to borrow from John Piper a little bit, right? That we're, we, we, and I might even alter his phrase a little bit, right? We glorify God most in our lives when we are most satisfied in him. Mostly Mm -hmm. because, and and he's been very clear, this isn't what he takes it, but because the whole uh, God is most glorified when you're most satisfied implies certain things about uh, God's, Uh, fullness within himself however Mm -hmm. right in our lives as obedient children as we are more satisfied 
in the God who we worship, that much more in our lives are we glorifying him and honoring him. And also then the more full our lives become, as we've talked about before with, I think it's Schaefer, right? uh, You're more fully human Mm -hmm. when you're living more like Christ, when you're more conformed to the image of Christ because Christ was fully human. That's one of the things that my dad preaches regularly is this idea that we're not sinning because we're only human. Uh, Sinning makes us less than human. Yeah. Yeah. And that gets into tonight's topic, right? So we've talked about quite a bit uh, on pneumatology. We've talked about uh, just kind of an introduction to it. We've talked about cessationism and continuationism and, and some of these topics that are often very exciting. But something that I have found in my own study, my own life, uh, and anecdotally just in perusing Google, that is far less attended to than the the miraculous gifts of the Spirit and whether they're active or ceased and um, you know, the, the contentions over the doctrine of the spirit and the baptism of the spirit from a Pentecostal doctrine is who is the Holy Spirit? Mm-hmm. And which what you think would be do? the foundation in which we'd build up the rest of our doctrines. Cause if you understand right. <laughs> who the spirit is, you're naturally going to understand more about what he does. Right. Um, so yeah, no, this is good. Um, I'm excited. Right. So who is the spirit, right? Who is the spirit? He's the third person of the Trinity. Uh, the confessions typically say he's proceeding from the Father and the Son. Yeah. Um, he he is God, fully God. <laughs> also, well, right. It's and not, the, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, in the same way that the Father and Son are, right? We aren't right. talking about a, a lesser. And so that that language of preceding, um, I don't, we're not going to get into that in this episode. But uh, that does not imply uh, ontological subordination or or a a hierarchy within Mm -hmm. god so Mm -hmm. we want to be clear about that but we could dig into that another time Uh, (laughs) no yeah yeah. it's important i think of all the the persons of the trinity right i feel Mm. like the spirit is often the most abused and the most misunderstood um and often sometimes the, the, the the spirit is he he's not recognized as he should be right he's not worshiped in the same way that we worship Christ or the Father. Right. Um, but we do worship the Spirit. We should worship mm-hmm. the Spirit because the Spirit is God, right? Um, yeah. The creeds talk about that, right? The creeds mm-hmm. mention this, um, that he's also to be worshiped as God because yeah. he's God. Um, so who, 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 you know, who's Holy Spirit is third person of the Trinity, right? What does the Spirit do? Right? What, what works is the Spirit involved in? Yeah. Uh, right. If you if you look from Genesis to Revelation, right. Yeah. Really, better question is what is the spirit not involved in? Mm. All right. <laughs> because we have creation, we have regeneration, we have sanctification, uh, preservation, right? Teaching, intercessing for us, comfort, glorifying the Father and the Son, empowering the church, um, <laughs> empowering the believer to do yeah. anything. Right. right. Uh, we come to faith in Christ by the power of the Spirit. Right. Our salvation is dependent on the spirit of God. Um, how, how can we, again, really the better question is what is the spirit not involved in? There's really nothing. Right. Mm. Um, we see the spirit hovering over the face of the waters in Genesis, right. In creation, you know, (laughs) I mean, it's right. Boom. Right from the very beginning, we Mm. see the Trinity displayed in such beauty, uh, just in the story of creation. Mm. Right. And just, you said, right, there's creation and then there's recreation in Mm -hmm. regeneration and in making things new. And I'm just going to borrow from the Westminster confession here. I'm going to go a little bit out of order um, on my notes with uh, 
Yeah, it's funny. I started this episode thinking we weren't going to have enough time or or we weren't going to have enough notes. And I felt really bad because this is such an important topic. And as soon as I started typing, it was just like, oh, there there's three. We don't have enough time. (laughs) We'll we'll see where we end up. But um, from Westminster Confession, uh, Chapter 10, Article 2. Speaking of regeneration, it says this effectual call of God's free and special grace alone, not from anything at all foreseen in man who is altogether passive therein until being quickened and renewed by the Holy Spirit. He that has fallen man is thereby enabled to answer this call and to embrace the grace offered and conveyed in it. That is, we're dead in trespasses and sins. That's that's Ephesians 2, right? Until God makes us alive. Now, what is the power by which he makes us alive is the power of the person of the spirit the spirit works effectually to call us and to quicken us and to renew us to bring new life where there was death where there was uh disorder and a void and darkness there is light and substance and structure right and so we're seeing an an intentional echoing of genesis 1 of creation because the spirit he's involved not only in creating all things but in recreating all things Mm -hmm. um oh man i get chills thinking about it it's so good (laughs) no i i agree you know um we have like all all of all of what you're talking about right all of this truth is contained within the scriptures um but the scriptures are illuminated to the believer to the reader by 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 whom right by the spirit Mm. The Spirit right. illuminates the scriptures to us so that we can actually understand these doctrines that we're talking about, um, yeah. which is why uh, oftentimes I've heard uh, if you're reading uh, the Bible as a non-believer, you're reading somebody else's mail, right? Mm. You're, you're, yep. you're not you're not going to understand it fully. You know, you have atheists who can read the Bible from beginning to end, and they're not going to understand the truths therein because they don't have the ability uh, to truly understand it in a way that someone who has the Spirit can Right. Mm-hmm. Um, if we if we look at the confessions, right, Westminster Confession one five uh, B <laughs> yeah, says, segment, not, yeah, yeah, yet notwithstanding our full persuasion and assurance of the infallible truth and divine authority thereof, is from the inward work of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. bearing witness by faith with the Word in our hearts. That's why um, we recognize that our epistemology, the, the what we know, is revelatory. Right, mm. God reveals it to us through the Spirit. We ha- right, <laughs> we have to, we have to have the Spirit to recognize that what we're reading is in fact true, mm. holy, and infallible. Um, yeah. It's it's imperative, um, but it's I think it's one of the reasons why uh, someone like myself presupp- presuppositionally starts there. Right yeah. when I'm when I'm giving an apologetic or talking to someone. Um, I start there because I I have to we have to recognize their worldview is not coming out of the same mm-hmm. um fundamental core right um beliefs because they they are unable to see right forgive them father for they know not what they do they don't mm-hmm. in fact know what they're doing um yeah. because they lack the spirit by which to do it right and the spirit as he illumines the scriptures to <clears> us right he also you know people talk about oh I'm hearing God and I'm hearing audible voices and certainly you know, we've, we've talked about this. I think there are definitely times um, where God does reveal something, you know, or, or give a specific direction providentially to a believer. I think that that can happen. But what's normative? What's the promise? The Spirit speaks through the Scripture, right? And, and also to our previous episode, obviously, that's not talking about new revelation. 
right? Mm-hmm. But anyways, uh, God giving us direction, though, I think is, is in there. But the Spirit speaks through the Scriptures, right? So what's our primary thing? We're like, well, I want to hear God. I want to know what God has to say to me. I want to know. Well, open your Bible, right? Westminster chapter John, 1. John MacArthur <laughs> meme. Yeah. <laughs> the Lord gave me a word. Oh, what is it? Open your Bibles. <laughs> yep. Ooh. And, and the Spirit speaks to us through the Scriptures, right? So this is Westminster 10, uh, Article 1. The supreme judge by which all controversies of religion are to be determined and all decrees of councils and opinions of ancient writers and doctrines mm-hmm. of men and private spirits are to be examined, right? So our Westminster, our 1689, our Apostles' Creed, our Heidelberg Catechism, our Nicene Creed, our Chalcedonian definition, yeah. all of this, Calvin, Luther, Edwards, Owen, must be weighed upon the supreme judge of Holy Scripture, but here's what the confession adds, right? Are to be examined and in whose sentence we are to rest can be none other but the Holy Spirit speaking in the Scripture. Mm-hmm. God has promised to speak to us in his word, right? Uh, all Scripture is God-breathed or is breathed out by God, is exhaled. Uh, inspiration is almost the wrong word, but expiration right. carries a certain thing, right? But it's, it's, it's a breathing out of the word of God. It's God speaking to us and all we'll get to to timothy in a minute today but all of the scripture is the word of god the spoken word and so when we open our bibles we can say we can we can look into the word of god and hear thus saith the lord so we don't need this private uh revelation or, or private um explanation in that way and that's not what we're talking about but at the same time we're not going to understand it and that ties in so deeply with why understanding the spirit is so important with getting mm-hmm. a lot of our theology right um yeah. a lot of the weird pentecostal sp- spiritual and i say spiritual meaning holy spirit spiritual mm-hmm. stuff that they that they come up with is from a lack of understanding that, that exactly what you just said they're not understanding that the with the work of the spirit the fruit of the spirit the gifts of the spirit are this right <laughs> um it's not these crazy supernatural absurd sort of showing showboating sort of uh types yeah. of things so uh side note i added a drop or two of water to this oh, 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 oh. oh man it really opens up the fruit notes um it it kind of it it doesn't quite thin it out so much but it, it opens up enough that um it really highlights those those fruity sort of citrusy uh notes to the the drink it's really good i just followed suit and added a little bit of water uh myself you could say i'm applying the the water to the to the spirits oh no the spirits applied water to me just like the holy spirit applies the work of christ to us uh westminster oh yes <laughs> westminster confession 11 4 god did from all eternity decree to justify all the elect and christ did in the fullness of time die for their sins and rise again for their justification nevertheless they are not justified until the Holy Spirit doth in due time actually apply Christ unto them. So mm. it's this perfect union of work between the Spirit and the Son applying the justification by the Father to us, right? It's what a beautiful unity of, of the Trinity and the work of God in mm. our hearts and in our lives applied through the Spirit uh, into the life of the believer. Right. And then that translates not only our justification and, and regeneration, but also our sanctification and preservation, mm-hmm. right? And in, in uh, Westminster 16.3 speaks to the fact that the Spirit empowers us to do those good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, right? We've talked about works and, and, and faith and all of this, but 
those who are in Christ by union with Christ by the Spirit, mind you, mm-hmm. are to mm-hmm. wor- walk in the good works that the Father has prepared for us beforehand. And the Spirit is the one who empowers us to do that work. And Westminster 16.3 says, their ability, that is the saints, to do good works is not at all of themselves, but mm-hmm. wholly from the Spirit of Christ, and that they may be enabled thereunto besides the graces they have already received, there is required an actual influence of the same Holy Spirit to work in them to will and to do of his good pleasure. And a side note there, you see the phrase Spirit of Christ throughout the New Testament in various Mm -hmm. phrases. You also see Spirit of God. Again, just reminding us of our proper uh, theology, proper Trinitarianism, right? The Christology, Mm-hmm. Spirit of Christ, mm-hmm. Spirit of the Father, right? Same Spirit, and that's where that preceding language comes from. In large part, is phrases like that: that uh, the Spirit is the one who is sent um, by the Father and the Son. Uh, and we can we'll talk about this in another episode, but that gets into kind of like the economic versus the ontological trinity, sure. and that's a whole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and well, and because because the Spirit interacts with us in this way, in uh, in mm-hmm. again that. That kind of self defeats the idea that Christians can, when you know, well, when Armenians will argue with the Calvinist and say, you know, why bother doing good works if you're saved anyway? Mm. If, if we understand the Spirit, we know that doesn't that argument doesn't even make sense, right? Right. If the Spirit is within us, we are going to do good works. Mm-hmm. It's the evidence uh, that we're that the Spirit is in us is our works. Um, you know, it goes back to that Gershner you know, uh, chalkboard scene where he's talking about meritorious works and Mm. how they're not meritorious and (laughs) all this stuff. It's, it's an awesome, awesome, uh, little thug life video, but, um, but as, as the spirit moves and causes us to do these good works, it also reassures us of our salvation, Mm. right? Our assurance Mm -hmm. of pardon, our assurance of, um, our salvation and our, our, our forgiveness in, that's found only in Christ uh, comes from the Spirit, right? We we've talked about this before. Question one of the Heidelberg Catechism, mm-hmm. um, which I'm just going to read it again. You can never hear Please it enough, do. right? Now, uh, what is the only comfort in life and in death? Uh, that I, with body and soul, both in life and death, am not my own, but belong unto my faithful Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Mm. Who, with Amen. His holy, uh, precious blood, has fully satisfied for all my sins and delivered me from the power of the devil, and so preserves me again, with the Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that without uh, the will of my Father in heaven, what a, first of all, I love how this is just tying the whole Trinity together. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a hair can fall from my head, yea, that all things must be subservient to my salvation. Um, and therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also mm-hmm. assures me of my eternal life and makes me sincerely willing, ready, and henceforth to live unto him. So we see two things here. We see the assurance of our salvation being mentioned, mm-hmm. and then we also see uh, the Spirit making us willing, sincerely willing, truly willing, because we want to, right? Not coerced. We're not being coerced. We're not being forced. We are sincerely mm-hmm. now willing and ready uh, to live unto Christ, to live out the gospel, and that's only because of the Spirit transforming our hearts, our heart of stone, turning it into a heart of flesh, giving us repentance and faith, and mm. giving us assurance. Yeah, so good. And as you said, right, the person of the Spirit is integrally tied to the work of the Spirit, right? Just as the person of the Son is integrally tied to the work of the Son, the person of the Father integrally tied to the work 
of the Father. And yet, as we see through Scripture, through confessions, through catechisms, through creeds, through good preaching, these three are unified perfectly in purpose. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to this as we get later in our notes to Romans 8, but spoiler alert, if the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are determined to save us, who do we think we are? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. That we're worried that we're going to lose our salvation. Like if, if we could, we, we would. would. Yeah. Right. But it's not up to us. And that's the beautiful thing is that the father holds us and preserves us. His hand is on us. The son's hand is upon us. He will lose none of whom the father has given him. And the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit re- regenerates, sanctifies, and preserves the saints. That He applies the work of Christ. Getting ahead of myself here. But we've already talked about creation. But there's a few other things about the Holy Spirit that are worthy of note here in luke chapter one uh he records for us the 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 birth of christ Mm -hmm. and i know we're past the advent season here but in verse 34 mary responds to the angel after he says you're going to bear a son and he's going to do all these wonderful things and proclaims the wonderful works of god and and the works of jesus christ and mary says to the angel how will this be since I'm a virgin? And she's not talking about just a, a young maiden. She's talking about a, a, a young woman who hasn't had relations yet. And the angel answers her and says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, mm-hmm. the Son of God. Mm-hmm. And so we see here a couple of a couple of things that Sinclair Ferguson, I'm indebted to Sinclair Ferguson's lecture series on Ligonier called Who is the Holy Spirit? And in that, he points to this record and he says something very interesting, that even in the womb, <clears throat> the Spirit was with Jesus. That, you know, we talk about womb yeah. to tomb as far as yeah. like the work of the Son, but we forget that through that entire time, the Spirit is with Christ. And, you know, we see that particularly at his baptism when the spirit descends upon him and, he, and and the spirit is the one, the Holy Spirit is the one who drives Jesus into the wilderness for the temptation. The spirit is the one who leads Jesus into that t- wilderness temptation, uh, a repeat in many ways of the garden temptation where Adam, our first feral head, failed in his temptation, surrounded by all the pleasures of the world, all the goodness of God provided for him. Jesus, destitute, alone, in a desert, hungry, thirsty and tired, confronts and resists the devil. And we see through the Gospels in the life of Jesus, his reliance, humble reliance upon the Holy Spirit and this intimacy of friendship. Yeah. But it begins in, in the life of Jesus in the incarnation, it begins at his conception that the Spirit is there in the womb of Mary conceiving miraculously Jesus, the man, the Son of God. Mm. And what a powerful, humbling, hair-raising reality, right? right. <laughs> That's yeah. mind-blowing to me. It's incredible. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, in, you know, as we move through the New Testament, too, right, we have oh, Acts yeah. 1, we have mm-hmm. the promise of the Holy Spirit, right, uh, the yeah. promise of the Spirit coming, uh, and then we see the, the, the Spirit coming upon them. Um, mm-hmm. And then as that transitions into Acts 2, when we start seeing the Spirit working with uh, speaking in tongues at Pentecost and things like that, we see um, uh, utterances that cannot even be understood, right? Groanings that mm. can't be uh, understood because of the Spirit uh, yeah. working in us uh, as we 
as we are moved to pray, we are moved uh, to do good works. Um, mm. You know, we have, uh, I mean, it's it's brilliant stuff, right? Uh, and I, I just love kind of off the uh, off the beaten path, but I just love how Acts 2 concludes, right, with Peter preaching to, what, 3,000 people, mm. um, <laughs> his exhortation, right? And uh, people just worshiping the Lord and, and being saved because of the Spirit, the Spirit proceeding uh, from the preaching and, and moving in the hearts of these people and saving them. Um, mm. Acts is just a, a brilliant book in general in regards to the works of the Spirit and how the Spirit uh, can be seen, how he can be seen working uh, in the church and the foundation of the church, ultimately. Mm. Um, it's great stuff. It's great stuff. Um, yeah, and then if you want to move on, Second oh, Timothy, which you is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, let me. I'm actually going to pull it up here because I, I don't have. It oh yeah, up. second. He, we're we're about to head up Second Timothy three sixteen, but again, let's as we reflect on this, as, as Justin's about to read it, think about the person and work of the Spirit. Right. Because for me, this this verse came alive in a new way when I thought in those terms. Exactly. I wanted to pull it up because I, I don't want to butcher it because it's such mm-hmm. a, a great. Um, I, I look back. So I back when I was working here in town, I, I worked with a coworker who called himself a Christian. Um, mm-hmm. And yet didn't believe the Bible was the word of God. He didn't believe Jesus was just a man. Yada, yada, yada. I'm like, bro, you, you don't know God. (laughs) You need to repent and Mm -hmm. repent of your sin and come to know Christ. And, um, he said, you know, where, you know, the Bible doesn't, you know, the Bible's not the word of God. I said, the Bible says that the Bible's the word of God. Yeah. And he's like, where does it say that? And so I pull up second Timothy, right? Uh, three, six, 16, 17, where it says all scripture all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable mm. for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, the man, the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work, right? We have not just words that were inspired uh, insofar as that this, the writers of scripture had inspiration. Yeah. And they're like, ooh, I'm inspired to write this. And they wrote these things down. No, this is like the moving of the spirit in the writer so that this word is uh is infallible it is true it is truly breathed out by god mm-hmm. right scripture is yeah. god's breath right god <laughs> and the word made flesh right we have oh, the yeah. word being christ we have, mm-hmm. have the scripture being breathed out by god uh through the power of the spirit right the yeah. spirit moves and in and moves these writers to write these truths right second uh, peter have. second peter right. 1 uh right. 121 right no prophecy or, or sorry 20 uh but no first of all that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation mm-hmm. for no prophecy and and the reason is right like scripture scriptural prophecy uh is not a matter of your personal interpretation mm-hmm. but the reason that that peter gives to us is that no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will but men moved by the holy spirit spoke from god yes and that's what we talked about last week with, uh, or two weeks ago with cessationism and the revelatory gifts ceasing, right? Mm-hmm. These men were inspired specifically by God, moved by the Holy Spirit to speak the words of God to us today Amen. for all time. And I wanted to jump into to John's gospel in the 14th mm-hmm. chapter, uh, starting in verse 15. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And again, we've talked about this. That's not a that's not a threat. That's not a, an abusive uh, <laughs> uh, relationship. Saying if you really loved me, no. He's saying 
You're going to. <laughs> right. When you love me, the outflow will be obedience to the commands that I've given you. Mm. And he says in verse 16, though, how, how are we going to do this? Right. And I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Mm-hmm. And I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So as he talks about this, right? Jesus says, you're going to keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper, another paraclete, another advocate, another comforter are the different translations. And Sinclair Ferguson draws this out as well. In the ancient culture, when you, when you had a legal defense come alongside you, your advocate, you didn't hire an attorney to come in this culture and time and defend you. You called on your best friend, the person who knew you best, the person mm-hmm. who knew you and who could sit, stand before the judge and say, judge, this person's been accused of this, but I've known them my whole life and they could not have done this. And here is why. And it was your very best friend who would come and advocate your case before the court. And so what is what's being communicated here is not just that we're going to have a helper who is adequate, not just one of the same caliber as Jesus. We're going to have a helper who knows us intimately, who knows us personally, and who loves us and who will fight our cause and who will defend us. And remind, remember what we just talked about in Luke's gospel, right? That the spirit is with Christ in conception, right? From womb mm-hmm. to tomb, the spirit is with him. That same intimacy of friendship now as the spirit's applying the work of Christ to us, right? What's yeah. happening in in justification? God is saying, I see your sins mm. and I put them on the son. And now when I look at you, I don't see you in your sin. I see the son and that's by the spirit. And the spirit knows Jesus mm. that intimately for eternity and knows mm. us intimately. And so what better advocate could we have for our cause? Oh man, it's so good. <laughs> uh, well, it continues, right? We, if we move to John 16, mm. right? Mm-hmm. We see the work of the spirit here uh, sort of laid out. Um Starting with verse four, it says, but I've said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. And this is what he says. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I'm going to him who sent me, right? He's going to the father uh, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage, to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, right? That is significant, (laughs) right? These people are mourning that Christ is going to be leaving. And he's saying that it's to their advantage that he is leaving, (laughs) right? He's not changing forms here, people. Get out of here, modalists. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if I go away, I will send him to you, him, Mm -hmm. right? Speaking of another person of the Mm -hmm. Trinity, right? Um, He's not coming back in another form. Um, I, I, I'm so frustrated by that. Um, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin, because they do not believe in me concerning righteousness, because I go to the father and you will see me no longer and concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Mm. Amen. Continuing with verse 12, he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now, right? You can't, it's too much. <laughs> y'all this, y'all are ready. <laughs> yeah, y'all ain't ready for this. Uh, and when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into 
all the truth. For mm. he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So we have the Spirit declaring to us what Mm. is the Father's, which was given to the Son, which is given to us through Mm. declaration, uh, that we we can have these things, this knowledge, right? This this, uh, conviction, this uh, power to do things that man in his flesh will not do. You know, man... Imagine, right? Imagine the 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 power to uh, to be willing to die mm-hmm. a, a gruesome death for Christ, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, imagine. Think of the think. I think often of the uh, the apostles. You know, considering it um, an absolute honor and joy to be even considered worthy to suffer mm-hmm. for Christ. That mm-hmm. that kind of insanity only comes from the spirit, right? Yeah. And I say insanity, and I mean, it's because the world would see that as insane, that yeah. we'd be willing to suffer and die and consider it joy yeah, for the sake of, of, of the gospel. And that only comes from the spirit. Well, and right, that's what he says, right? The spirit, the world cannot receive him because right. they do not know him, but you know him. <laughs> yeah. And this is beautiful, right? Um, it is to your advantage... It is better that I go away. It is better that Jesus here present in the flesh goes to be with the father. It is mm-hmm. better that their teacher who they have followed for these three years, who has ministered, who has done signs and wonders and miracles and has taught them like no one has ever taught them before and has loved them as no one has loved them before. It is better that he goes away so that the spirit can come. And so to those of us right. that say, and, I, and I've been tempted in this, right? Where we say, I wish I could have been in Galilee 2000 years ago. Right. Well, Jesus is saying, no, you have the spirit. Right. That's your advantage. Right. It's better. And it's not better because we have all these crazy superpowers. It's better. What? It's better because, what does he say? I have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. And we see this played out later in, in the epistles, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, <laughs> all the revelation right. that was yet to come. Yeah. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, even though the spirit is fully God, right? So, so what's he doing? You'll speak what he hears, just as the son says, I don't, I don't speak of my own authority. I speak for the father. Like, like we see yeah. this cohesiveness, right? The father sends the son, the son willingly goes, the spirit proceeds from the father and the son to us. And so that's where part of this comes from. But Sinclair Ferguson in that, and I, and I just keep referencing him because I'm indebted to him for this, right? In this, in verse 14 is so critical. He, the spirit will glorify me, Christ, right? The spirit glorifies the father and the son, the spirit's joy is to bring glory to the Father and the Son. He doesn't draw attention to himself. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, mm-hmm. he doesn't, and the Son is always pointing to the Father. And the Father is joyed to glorify the Son. And there's this, we see this, if you read the New Testament like this, it's totally transformative because you realize Father, Son, and Spirit united in purpose, glorifying one another and saving us in the process. And it's so beautiful and overwhelming and incredible to think that this is what this is what's going on, and it's beyond our wildest comprehension. And it, to me, it's so much richer than, oh, I can do all these miraculous things because the spirit's in me. Yeah, yippee! <laughs> rather, rather, how beautiful that the spirit 
would be pleased to, to regenerate us mm-hmm. and to preserve us and to sanctify us and ultimately to bring us into glorification, to conform us to the image of Christ, which we're, we're, we're steamrolling into Romans 8 now. So we're just like, <laughs> yeah, boy, I was just getting ready. <laughs> we could yeah, read the Romans whole chapter 8, or we right? should probably parse it out, but maybe we'll have a, we'll have a separate podcast where we just read Romans. <laughs> oh yeah, that'd be good. I like it. Um, but Romans is rich with the spirit, right? The life, the life, uh, life in the spirit, his intercession for us, right? Oh, yeah. If we turn to Romans eight, um, I'll start one. a little bit. Yeah. I was going to say, you could, yeah, yeah. But I'll start at, um, I'll start at 18. We'll start up at 18, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy. They're not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed in us again, that sort of mindset only comes from the spirit mm-hmm. for this creation waits with eager longing for the revel- the, for the revealing of the sons of God for the creation was subjected to, to futility, not willing, not willingly, mind you again. Uh, but God doesn't ever do anything against anybody's will, uh, but because of him mm-hmm. who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. But not only the creation, verse 23, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption, uh, for adoption as sons, the Redeemer, Mm -hmm. the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, then we wait with patience, right? The spirit mm-hmm. is groaning um, uh, on our behalf and causes us to groan, right? Right. We are Which groaning, is, uh, <laughs> yearning right. for new creation, right? Well, right. Godly sorrow is a work of the spirit in our lives. Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Why? Mm. Because of the spirit in us. All right. Right. Come on. <laughs> We're preaching. Uh, yeah. And if we continue on to verse 26, likewise, the spirit is helps us in our weakness for we don't know what to pray as we ought but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words right we are we are we run out of prayers right we can only say so many things and uh, we are moved so inwardly uh by the spirit by the power of the spirit in us uh that we are groaning for the for god towards god towards our creator uh in, in a way that we can't even express. We, we can't even, mm-hmm. we don't even have words for it. The things that we yearn for, right? Mm-hmm. And he who searches our hearts knows uh, what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Right? <laughs> He's, uh, again, perfect cohesiveness with, with uh, the other persons of the Trinity here. Uh, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Um mm. Romans eight is just beautifully rich with um, Trinitarian spirit work. <laughs> right. Let's, you know, pneumatological through and through. And, and yes. I wanted to parallel it a little bit with what the author of Hebrews tells us in chapter four, verse 14. Hmm. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are. Yet without sin, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need, right? And that's 
the next part in Romans 8 there, right? The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray. Further down, 31, what shall we say to these things after he's talked about the chain of salvation, foreknowledge, predestination, Mm. uh, election, all these things, right? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Right? To go back to the courtroom, the advocate, the one who comes alongside as legal counsel, our friend who knows us intimately. It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? The judge, the righteous judge of the universe justifies us. Mm. Who's going to condemn us? Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is in the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered, which in the world's eyes is horrible, terrifying, wicked thing something to be run away from. Mm-hmm. But Paul writes by inspiration of the spirit in 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither life nor death, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord And as you said there, Justin, right, we have here the spirit groaning with us, groaning in intercession with too deep for words these groanings are. We have Mm -hmm. the Son of God at the right hand who died for us, who was raised for us, interceding for us. And we see in Hebrews, he knows our weakness. And we see God the Father who is justifying us in all of this. The judge of the universe is justifying us. Who's to condemn? Right, he's conforming us to Mm -hmm. to 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 the image of Christ, right? Yeah. Through the power of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. The Spirit is is who helps conform our hearts and our minds. I mean, I think of the old, when I was a kid, right, um, in church listening to some of the songs, you know, conform my heart, you know, conform my mind, con- you know, all these mm-hmm. things uh, during some of these these old songs that we used to sing. Um, but that's, that's it's singing to the Spirit, right? Conform our hearts mm-hmm. and our minds to the mind and the heart of Christ mm-hmm. so that we are more in His image, glorifying him not ourselves but mm-hmm. him um and i i think as we move on right we we need to understand that there are some warnings uh, yeah. in scripture regarding <laughs> the spirit right yeah. um things specifically not to do <laughs> uh and those are important right uh, the yeah. spirit talks about um or the spirit the word talks about not grieving the spirit not blaspheming the spirit um again those are those are some things that i think are uh, sometimes abused as far as what they're talked about, right? I've heard mm-hmm. people justify or use the term uh, don't grieve the Holy Spirit to justify how dare you not speak in tongues, right? right? You're grieving the Spirit yeah. by doing that. Um, so it's important that we read these things in context, right? So Ephesians 4 is where that 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 is. Uh, yeah. uh, for it's it's verse 30, but to put it in little context, right? It's talking mm-hmm. about new life and in Christ mm-hmm. according to the Spirit, right? By the power of the Spirit. Um if you know going through 17 through 24 it's talking about putting off the old self putting out uh, your your former um your former ways uh putting to death your sinful desires and things like that being renewed it says in verse 23 being renewed by uh 
in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God uh, in the true righteousness and holiness. So the, again, that's something that, um, as we talked about, is the, the conforming to the image of Christ by the power of the spirit. Uh, and then it, uh, just to put this in context, uh, it says, therefore, having put away falsehood, starting at verse 25, uh, let each one of mm. you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another, be angry and do not sin, right? You can be angry and not be sinning. Righteous anger is a, is a real thing, right? I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure Jesus was angry when he was flipping tables, uh, in, in whipping people, <laughs> you know, that's, that's anger, but it's righteous. It's sinless anger. Um, and do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Um, it's interesting because, uh, people often talk about miracles, right? With the spirit. Right. But when I see someone who is formerly, uh, stuck in a particular sin, a thief or someone who's a, a liar or somebody who just is an adulterer, right? And you see them get saved and and you watch the spirit work in them so that their lives are entirely turned upside down and they no longer uh, even desire those things, right? You see them, you see them truly repent and mourn over the things that they used to love and enjoy and take part in. Um, I mean, that is the work of the spirit and that is truly miraculous um so that's you know that's one of the things that's being said here let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear Mm. and do not grieve here it is do not grieve the holy spirit of god by Mm. whom you were sealed for the day of redemption let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice and Mm. be kind to one another tender-hearted forgiving one another and God, uh, as God in Christ forgave you. Now, if we understand that in context, right? Grieving the Holy Spirit in this case uh, is uh, having malice, having hatred, mm-hmm. having um, do living in a way that is not conforming towards Christ. Right? right? We're 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 called to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's done through the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we when we push against those things and we uh, seek mm-hmm. seek back into our sinful ways, when we desire when we return to the vomit as it were Mm. uh that's grieving to the holy spirit because we're doing exactly the opposite of the work that he's doing in us um it has nothing to do with you know some of these other silly things that is often brought about well and i think we could turn to first corinthians chapter six to get a little Mm. bit deeper into this right this Mm -hmm. is a little 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 graphic so i don't know why anyone under you know any young people would be listening to this but if you are just be mindful this is a little bit more intense right because it is the bible because paul is clear here right in uh first corinthians 6 15 after he's listed all this immorality sexual immorality specifically he says do you not know that your bodies are members of christ and again against gnosticism we had a, we had an actual a literal gnostic trying to join our facebook group today which was very bizarre <laughs> we, we declined him obviously but there are people yeah. that still believe that the body is evil and, and the spirit is good and and this separation, uh, this like extreme dualism, right? But anyways, mm. do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? It's not just our souls that are joined to Christ in the church. Yes. Our bodies, our whole person, our human person, mm-hmm. right? And then he said, this is, <laughs> this is intense, but we need to hear it. This is verse 15 of 1 Corinthians 16, or 1 Corinthians 6, sorry. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Mm. 
Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. And I've heard people, friends of mine, people in oh various gosh, workplaces yes. talk about how, you know, well, well, they're just getting very, they're getting all the emotions in sex mm-hmm. and, and it just needs to be physical. Well, that's, that's literally impossible unless you have right. <laughs> repeated sexual encounters so much to the point that you have, you have uh, depraved yourself to the point that there is no more soul left in that engagement. Right. But mm-hmm. it, by design, and you know, this isn't the focus of our podcast, but it's important in the, in this context, right? By design, sex and sexuality is to unite a husband and wife together for mm-hmm. life. That's the point. That's the design. And that's why all these things are so broken and brutal. That's why one night stands are so destructive. That's why sex before marriage is destructive, not because sex isn't a good thing, but because you're taking something that God designed to unify two people for life and you are cheapening it. You have such Mm -hmm. a low view of it that you're using it in this way. And obviously there's grace and there's mercy, but it's important to remember this. He who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her. For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Hmm. Flee from sexual immorality, right? So what, what is he saying here? And again, he's saying, if you go to the brothel and you use a prostitute for your gratification, if you're joined to Christ, you can't tell Jesus to, to wait at the door. Yeah, right. <laughs> right? Like that's very, that's very harsh, right? But, yes. but you are bringing yes. Jesus because you're unified, because the spirit is in you. Mm-hmm. You're bringing the one who died to save you from that sin mm-hmm. into the act. And I yeah. say that soberly to myself as well, right? Because we all struggle, we all sin, but we need to remember this. And and I think men, look, look we live in a day and age where uh, we may not have brothels, but they're all over our computer, yeah. right? Pornography mm. is a huge problem in in. Yeah all of Western culture, mm-hmm. frankly, all over the, the world. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and especially in the church. Yeah. Consider next time you're tempted to sin people, right? Mm-hmm. Those of you who struggle with this. Um, and again, I'm a man, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm not blind. Um, yeah. So I'm speaking to myself in a mirror here as well. Mm. Before you're tempted, when you're tempted, before you even consider acting, consider that what Blake just Mm. said here, right? That you are bringing Christ with you in your union to him through the spirit into the act of sin that you're about to participate in. If that doesn't sober you up, I'm concerned deeply about your salvation, frankly. If you're not sobered in some way, uh, even if you look back and and there's no remorse, right, Mm. for for something like that, I'm concerned that the spirit's not in you. Because this is what the Spirit does. Right. He convicts <laughs> us of sin. And he groans for us with groanings too deep for words in his intercession for us. Jesus, who knows our weakness, intercedes for us. Mm-hmm. And it w- I think it's a Spurgeon quote. Uh, or no. Bunyan, maybe. How can mm-hmm. I How can I entertain the, the folly that killed, that put to death my friend? the one who died for me, right? Like, I, I don't remember mm-hmm. who said that, so forgive me, but it, um, something to that effect of how can I have any participation in these things that kill mm-hmm. Jesus, who is mm-hmm. my closest and dearest friend? There was another Spurgeon quote, actually, that I was thinking about as we were about to talk about the, the blas- blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. right? Um, 
because we have to consider, right, our souls are at stake. Our soul is at stake here, right? The Spirit is what saves our, uh, the Christ saves our souls uh, through the power of the Spirit and so on. Um, so Spurgeon says this, uh, speaking of Spurgeon, because, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, Baptist hero and all that, uh, I know I have a lot of his quotes, but he says, consider how precious a soul is, how, how precious a soul must be when both God and the devil are after it. Mm. <laughs> That's a great line there too. Yeah. And as we go into that quote, right, let's go to uh, the third chapter of Mark's gospel. And I'm just going to read the initial mm-hmm. verse that's so abused in the Christian oh, church. Oh, yikes. Yeah. And we'll get the context. And I, and I think I think in the context, I've heard this exegeted a number of times by a number of different pastors and theologians that I feel comfortable sharing their view and, and one that makes sense to me about what this means. But I used to be terrified. I used to go to bed. Uh shaking, horrified that I might accidentally do this, right? And what happens Mm -hmm. here? Verse 28. Truly I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of men and whatever blasphemies they utter, which is a big statement. Yes. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of eternal sin. Now, I'm not going to read anymore. I just want to hang on that because this concept this theological header the sin the blasphemy against the holy spirit jesus is saying here you can blaspheme mm-hmm. the father and the son there and still be saved there is an unforgivable sin there is an unforgivable <laughs> sin and it is blasphemy against the holy spirit and so i thought have i blasphemed the spirit am i done is that it is it over and again that mm-hmm. was in an arminian context where i think i can lose my salvation and it's all lost and it's all on me but whoever blasphemes against the holy spirit never has forgiveness but he is guilty of an eternal sin. And there's a couple things to note about this before we get into the context and actually exegete it. One, the Spirit's whole ministry consistently is to glorify the Father and the Son. And so if you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit, by extension, you're directly blaspheming both the Father and the Son. And so there's heaviness here, but what does this mean What's going on in this context? Justin, I don't know if you want to pick up there, verse 22 of, of the third chapter of Mark, but this context is really important for this statement because it's so often that verse is lifted. 28 and 29 are read in isolation as if verses 22 to 30 don't exist. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you want to hit that, but. Yeah. So starting in verse 22, it says this, and the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, he is possessed by Beelzebub and by the prince of demons. He casts out demons and he has called them to him. And he says to them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? Hmm. If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, the house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man, (laughs) Mm. then indeed they may plunder his house. And then we turn into verse 28. Truly I say to you, all the sins will be forgiven the children of man and whatever blasphemies they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin for they were saying he has an unclean spirit. Mm. So just like, this isn't very deep exegesis. I don't need any Greek to do this. I don't need any like formal seminary education. Verse 22, the scribes are saying 
Mm-hmm. The, the educated theolo- the theologians, the, those who study the law were saying of Jesus, he is possessed by the devil. Yep. And remind us a few chapters earlier, Jesus is driven into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit after being anointed by the Spirit. And so what are they saying? They are saying that the Holy Spirit that indwells Jesus is a demon. And what does Jesus say? Those who blaspheme the Holy Spirit will not have forgiveness. Verse 30, for they were saying he has an unclean spirit. And so what is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? In this context, in this immediate section, it is that these scribes were saying that the Holy Spirit, the one who gave life, the one who created all things, the one who created them, the one who Mm -hmm. regenerates the elect, the one who preserves them and saves them, the one who empowered Jesus, on whom the humanity of Jesus relied fully in every step of his ministry, that that spirit they claimed was a devil. Mm -hmm. And that, that is what the warning is against. Far be it from us to ever say that the Holy Spirit is demonic. Mm. I don't know if you have any further thoughts, but that was just, I've wrestled with that passage. And then when I finally read it in context, I I have too. I've I've heard it over the years, a number of different ways and exegeted in some different ways. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I've also heard, uh, similarly that this can apply in the sense that we blaspheme the Holy Spirit. In other words, we reject the spirit until death. Um, Mm -hmm. I've heard that as well, but, uh, this context matters, right? Context Mm -hmm. always matters. And, and sometimes uh, I think we get in trouble because people will, you know, uh, say, why are you always worried about why are you always, you know, it's context, this context, that context. Yeah, it is. It really mm-hmm. is. Context yeah. is, is how we understand and read the Bible, right? Our hermeneutic, mm-hmm. uh, how we read the Bible is determined by right context, right? Mm-hmm. Um, historical context, uh, pa- the passages context, um, audience, you know, <laughs> who's receiving the word, um, things like that. So, yeah, it's very important. So even these hard and and again that turns into right the the, the uh, principle of letting scripture interpret scripture, right. right? Not reading into our uh, into our Bibles our own uh, presuppositions, but rather letting the Bible form our presuppositions, uh, mm. so that we can we can move forward with proper context, uh, so we know what we're talking about, so we can answer questions like this: What does it mean to blaspheme the Spirit? Yeah. It really doesn't take a a, a a master's degree or master's in divinity to understand this. Um, yeah. It can it can certainly do wonders for your education, but mm-hmm. you can read this right. in its context and, and grasp. Well, and this goes back to saying. one of the first things we said, right? The Spirit illumines the Scripture to us, mm-hmm. and so if we come to a passage like that and we get frightened and we say, "What does this mean?" Our response, yeah, we can read commentaries, and, we, and, and I think those are useful tools, and I totally encourage that. But what's our response? Is pray, right? Right. God, I don't understand what I'm reading. Right? What does the eunuch say? I don't know what I'm reading. Who's gonna Who's gonna explain this to me? Hmm. And the apostle then preaches the gospel and shows him Christ in the Old Testament scriptures. Right, and that's it. That that's the work of the Spirit. And obviously, I've referenced it several times in this episode. But I would totally commend. I listened to the lecture series, but there's an, an accompanying work here. Who is the Holy Spirit? Um, by Sinclair Ferguson. It is so endearing. Uh, if this episode whet your appetite for uh, the work and the person of the Holy Spirit, that series is a balm to the soul and it will just encourage you, it will challenge you, and it will help you to see clearly the scriptural revelation of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Now, next week, 
We're going to be changing gears. We're going to be taking a break from systematic theology for a moment to talk about, dun-dun-dun, the church and COVID-19. And we're not going to be alone. We're going to have a guest. You could say the, uh, (laughs) you could say he is the, uh, well, before I tell our guest, we're going to be tasting Glenn Fittick's Fire and Cane Scotch Whiskey. And our guest is uh, the the Tony Stark of the Sorp Cider Formed Podcasters Avengers. He is Tony Arsenal, uh, the co-host of the Reformed Brotherhood Podcast, who is also Stark. a fellow member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters, a network of doctrinally sound podcasts from a Reformed perspective, including Assurance of Pardon, the Bobcast, Christ in Context, Distilling Theology, Fast God Stuff, Five Points Church Planting Podcast, Guilt, Grace, Gratitude, Reform Brotherhood, Reform Pilgrims, Seeker Start, Sippin' on Theology, and the Steady Anchor Podcast. Head over to reformpodcasts.com to subscribe to the Mega Feed and get all the back catalogs of all these shows, and you will never run out of uh, solid Reformed theological podcasting content. Uh, we would recommend all of them, particularly right now. I'm, I'm really loving the uh, Ecclesiology or the Doctrine of the Church series that's going mm. on over at, uh, with Scott and Gage at Assurance of Pardon. Also, if you guys haven't, check out the Reformed Podcast. Uh, oh, they may right. not be streaming anymore, but there mm. is a lot of good, solid, biblical, fun, and exciting content well, to check out there. The OGs. Uh, not sponsored. We're just, we're just, we like it. It's good. Mm. Well, Les, Les has a new show do. now called Gospel Rider. He right? does. Been I also recommend it. Highly recommend. Listen, the man's a professional podcaster for sure. Knows his stuff. That's why and, we had um, him on episode nine. <laughs> yeah, boy. Uh, <laughs> also, him. check us out on social media. Uh, head over to Facebook.com. Search for Distilling Theology. You will find both right. a page to like and a group to join. Okay. Do both of those things and we will be happy to have you. Uh, can interact with us as well as uh, lots of other sage stage Calvinist babes. <laughs> 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 and by babes, I mean both men and women who are just right. handsomely covered in the grace of God. Um, I absolutely love our group. It's so much fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lot of yeah. uh, great people in there. Great questions, great conversations, great memes, great spirits. It's mm. a good place to be. Uh, check us out on Instagram. Uh, just search at Distilling Theology for some of the best pictures of distilled spirits and books that you will find on the Internet. You're welcome. We're happy to provide that for you. <laughs> thank you for my service uh, and on that note if you want you to thank us for our work you can head over to patreon.com slash distilling theology where if you join us at 4.99 per month you will get early release episodes uh discounts in our online store extended conversations like one we're about to have as well as exclusive <laughs> bonus content i uh, just made justin spit whiskey out of his nose at 14.99 per month uh, you'll get an exclusive mug after three months, as well as extended content that we're working on. Uh, and you could see Justin's reaction if you joined us on Patreon, because we do video episodes that we live stream. Yeah, we do. And speaking unedited. of that discount, oh. head over to shopdistillingtheology.com, pick up some sweet merch. We have hoodies, shirts, hats, mugs, so many good things over there. Check it out. Uh, mm. And we will be happy to send you items to represent the most ridiculous podcast in the reformed world. Well, amen to that. <laughs> and on that note, guys, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. Soli Deo Gloria. We hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Please check out this sneak preview from the extended conversation that is available exclusively at patreon.com slash distilling theology. 
Speaking of post-millennialism, there's become a... a <laughs> no one was talking about post-millennialism, Justin. You we just we all were. <laughs> no, and, and, and how they've... they've Some uh, folks have sort of hijacked the term and forced it to be in union with theonomy. Mm-hmm. And it's simply yeah, not. Uh, Agreed. Yeah. Even Bonson mentions in his work, and of mm-hmm. course I, I love Bonson, and oh, yeah. especially as a former theonomist, I used to read him for both uh, his presuppositional as well as his theonomic mm-hmm. work. But that being said... Just get on his presbytery. <laughs> he um no he <laughs> he even distinctly says you don't like there is no eschatological need to be one or the other to be a mm-hmm. theonomist you can be a theonomist yeah. and be amillennial or sure. be uh even premillennial but the mm-hmm. the issue is they're separate things but uh in the modern time and i, I think uh, thanks to one church in particular and their fame, ha- have sort of blended the two together yeah. and forced those two things to be in union when they're really not. 